Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Excited to be at church today. Come on, look at the person next to you. Say, you look so good today. I'm so excited I get to sit next to you at church. Yeah. Um, I want to make mention of a couple of things, and then we are going to continue in our series that we have been in for the last few weeks that we're calling Stories. Uh, The first thing, you've been hearing about this for a little while now, but Share the Hope is coming up this Saturday from 10 to 1 at the pavilion out next to the Civic Center. And so we're going to have inflatables, we're going to have food, we're going to be giving away pillows and blankets and socks and non-perishable food items just to be a blessing and share hope this Christmas season with those that are in need. And so a couple of things that we want to encourage you to do, number one is to show up on Saturday and serve. There will be plenty of opportunities for you to serve and and uh, do popcorn or do hot dogs or be at one of the inflatable stations or be somebody that's giving away uh, the items to people that are needing those Uh, and even just loving on people, having conversations with people. Um, We believe it's really going to be a blessing, so we would encourage you to do that. The second thing is uh, it's not too late for you to donate, so we've had donations made. We have uh, three other churches that are involved, and they are collecting donations as well of the pillows and blankets and socks and non-perishable food items, so you can bring those. uh, If you brought them with you today, awesome. If you didn't and you want to donate some of those items, then just bring them with you uh, this week or come on Wednesday night and just slip in and drop them out in the box back there or if you need to set up a time that's more convenient for you to be able to drop those off we can try to work that out Uh, but we want to get all of those in so they can be organized this week and then we're going to be setting up over there for this on Saturday on your way out at Impact Central you're going to see cards and so there's a table out in the lobby if you're familiar with the lobby right underneath the tv and uh, there'll be some cards little four by six cards that are basically like invite cards to spread the word And so it's one thing to advertise um, and let the community know. It's another thing for you to have somebody in your life or a neighbor or somebody down the street that you can give a card to and say, hey, would you come to this? I think this would be a blessing for you. Will you come, even just will you come serve with me and just love on people uh, this coming Saturday? It's going to be awesome. So keep that in mind, December the 11th, this coming Saturday at 10 a.m., Uh, December 17th is our ladies' Christmas party, and so it's going to be at Margie Ware's house at 6 p.m. So all the ladies, uh, we invite you to come out at uh, Margie Ware's on that Friday evening at 6 p.m. It's going to be a fun time. Bring a finger food with you. It's going to be a great time for all the ladies. Christmas at Impact is coming up on December the 19th. So two weeks from today is going to be our Christmas services here at the church. And it'll be same service times, and so you can still decide which service works better for you and your family. But it's going to be an incredible Christmas experience with candlelight and communion and the Christmas story, Christmas songs. We enjoy it every single year. We love gathering together to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so uh, keep that in mind. Also, that night, um, our students and iClub ministry are going to be coming back for a night of worship that night. And so they're going to be uh, gathering here at the church that evening for a special night of worship uh, that we believe is going to be so powerful and uh, man it's just how many of you believe there's power especially when the next generation begins to really surrender to God and and uh, and give their life to him so we're excited about that 
also on December the 18th, which is the day before that Saturday, uh, that the iClub ministry, our 5th through 8th grade ministry, is going to be uh, tr- making deliveries and uh, donations to nursing homes. And so that is at 345. So 345 in the afternoon, they're going to meet right here at the church, and they're going to head out and uh, love on some people in nursing homes that afternoon and then have a special Christmas party just for their age group that evening. So that's going to be awesome. And then the last thing, uh, as far as announcement-wise, as this goes, is on December the 26th, if, you're, uh, if you've been a part of our church, we, uh, we like to uh, invest in families and set aside time for families. And so uh, our Christmas services are on December the 19th, that week of Christmas. Kids are out of school. People are traveling um, for volunteers and staff and and even those of you that are going to be all over the place spending time with family. We will not have services on December the 26th on that Sunday. And so we will gather for Christmas services on the 19th. We will not gather here on the 26th. Uh, We're going to set that aside for family on Christmas weekend. And then on January the 2nd, we'll be back for Vision Weekend, and we'll be uh, talking about what God's speaking to our church for 2022. It's going to be exciting. So we're going to get into uh, the video in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, man, it's just been amazing to watch how God has been uh, just blessing our church and uh, how generous you know you guys have been. And man, you, you're just some of the most generous people, and you're giving and, and, uh, and different things like that. And we, we just believe in uh, pastoring and loving people well, and uh, it's, it's something that we value, and so I'm excited today because I get to share with you um, that uh, for the first time in the life of our church, we are bringing somebody uh, onto our pastoral staff full-time um, alongside with, uh, with myself, and so uh, they're going to be leading in uh, specifically the area of youth ministry, so our 7th through 12th grade on a full-time basis, and then also fulfilling some other pastoral roles in the church. And we, we cannot, I cannot explain to you or, or tell you how excited I am for what God is going to do in the life of our church as we uh, continue to push forward and just trust God and follow his leading. So some of you know them, but this is David and Christy Kynes. You guys, come on up. Come on up. They... Uh, they were, it was, it was day one, right? It was opening launch day of the church. So uh, the very first day that, that Impact Church began, September the, 6th, September the 18th of 2016, uh, they were there. And uh, their family was there. And about a year and a half ago, they uh, moved to Dallas and started attending Christ for the Nations, if you're familiar with CFNI. And uh, just recently have accepted an opportunity to move back and uh, be on staff here at the church and really love and pour into people uh, from a pastoral standpoint. And so we are so excited to have them back with us. Come on, can we just clap our hands again? And here's, here's what I want to do, because some of you, some of you, uh, you know them, and so on your way out today, you can say hi. And for those of you that don't know them, you've never met them before because you're new to the church uh, since they, have, they left and went to CFNI. Uh, then just go, you know, stop by, find them, meet them. They would love to meet you. And uh, we want to pray over them and pray over this next season of our church. Will you do that with me? And so if you'll just stretch your hand this way, and we're going to pray and just believe God for big things and uh, just his direction and, and leadership and everything that we do. God, we thank you today for the opportunity uh, just, just to, to serve you and to be about you and your kingdom 
Lord, I pray over this couple right now as they step into this role in ministry. Um, God, that you would bless them, that your favor would be on them, that they would reach young people, that they would reach people in general for you. God, that you have a plan for their life. Lord, I believe that you want to do amazing things in them and through them. And so, God, we just ask you for your guidance. We ask you for your direction. Um, Lord, that in everything that we do, we would bring you glory and honor. We give all the praise to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and everybody said amen, amen and amen. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Love y'all. All right, it's exciting times in the life of our church. Amen. All right, so we're going to get into part three of a series that we've been in called Stories. And uh, we've been watching some amazing stories and being able to hear those from people right here in our church. And so today is Sean and Amanda Lyle's story. And so without further ado, you can turn your attention to the screen. We are Sean and Amanda Lyle's. We have been coming to Impact for probably a little over three years. This is Sean. I'm going to let him start the story out because it's honestly about him and then how we... Um, how God just really stepped in and did just an amazing miracle. So those of you who don't know, I'm a former captain with Paris Fire Department. Uh, on April 29th of 2015, I was going through my uh, annual uh, physical agility test. It was just a test we had to go through every year just to kind of show that we could still, we're still fit enough to do our job. One of the things I tried to do was going through this, I tried to push the guys to be the best that they could be physically. Um, and uh, we started our test about 9.30, let's say it was April 29th of 2015. Uh, about 9.30 in the morning, it was my time to go through and do my test. We go through just the basic things you do as a firefighter. You know, we're climbing ladders, we're pulling hoses, we're going up and down stairs, dragging dummies. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a multitude of different things that you actually do on the job. It's kind of an obstacle a little bit. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like an obstacle course. Mm -hmm. If anybody has seen the uh, the combat challenge that they have on TV, it's very similar to that, but it's probably a little bit longer and it's not it's not a big race. You do it individually. Um, but I was going through and that particular year, uh, it had been said that whoever gets uh, the fastest time gets a shift off with pay. So I wanted to prove that I could do it faster than anybody else there. I was 39 at the time and honestly in the best shape of my life. Uh, I went through the test and uh, I did finish it. What are the odds? Um, I, did, <laughs> I did finish it uh, in the fastest time, but uh, that came at a cost. Um, I, I mentally had got myself in a situation where I was like, you know what, I'll pass out before I'll die. And I pushed myself to that extent. And for those of you who don't know, that is incorrect. You will die. Um, I hit the finish line and I fell over. Uh, the guys come to check on me and found that I wasn't breathing and they could not find a heartbeat. Um, I was, uh, they began CPR and put a, uh, put an AED on me and it was advising them to shock me. I was in uh, ventricular fibrillation, which is basically no heartbeat. Your heart's just sitting there vibrating. But it was almost, you know, you hear people say, you were out, you were having an out-of-body experience. That's the way I felt because I was aware of what was going on around me. I just didn't feel anything and it was kind of hazy. 
And I just remember the la one of the last memories I had was I could hear the AED charging up and I thought, man, this is gonna hurt. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't really remember anything after that. You know, and, and I had no concept of time as this is all going on because I, I go out. Well, in the process of me being out, the next thing I have in my mind, and like I say, I have no idea how long that I've been out, is I'm in a dark, echoey room. And that's all I have in my head is I'm in darkness and I, I feel lost. I'm like, I can tell there's no one around. I'm somewhere that I'm, I'm lost and I, I start almost kind of panicking. You're crawling around. And I, so I start going to some of my fire department training and I start crawling around trying to find a wall and I can't. So I get up and start clapping my hand, try to hear an echo of, you know, where is a wall, where is a door? I gotta get out of this darkness. And I, I start, you know, getting anxious and I get to the point where I just spread my arms out and start just swinging my arms and spinning around and walking, trying to find my way out of this room. And in amongst all of this, I'm spinning around, trying to get, figure out where I am, what's going on. And I actually got to hear God whispered in my ear. I felt his breath on my face. He, he told me, he said, Sean, it's not your time. And I woke up to her leaning over me in the bed saying, do you know who I am? Do you recognize me? Who am I? And I knew at that time that God had pulled me out of that. And it wasn't my time. And I got to hear that straight from him. I got to not only hear, but feel his breath. One of the doctors were trying to get him extubated because, and that means like take him off the ventilator. And because he was so young and the longer you're on there, the, the worse your outcome. And, and we didn't know what kind of function he had or how long he went without oxygen or anything because it all happened in the field. And, and then my dad, when it happened to him, when he woke up, he never knew who I was after that. And he had um, a lot of brain damage. And, and so I had taken care of him for several years. And um, and so I told the doctors, they were like, are you ready? I was like, can y'all give me just a minute? And they were like, yeah. And so I just started walking in the hospital. And by this time it's, it's in the evening and everything had happened in the morning. And, and I was just praying and I was like, and at that time, I just really was just weeping. And I, I found a hall, just a random hall that had a chair at the end of it. And, and I walked down that hall and I just put my face to the ground. And, and I'm just begging God to save him and to, when he woke up, for him to know. And, um, and I remember and I'm just weeping and I'm crying. And when they say the peace of God is like, like nothing else, I swear it is. And, all of a sudden, I felt this rush, and I heard God just say, I just, he just whispered, I love him more than you do. And immediately, I just had this peace. And I remember standing up and washing my face and walked in the room, and his mother and his grandmother was there, and the doctors and the nurse, and they were like, y'all know this isn't pretty? I'm like, yeah, I know. And uh, they were like, are you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. 
and they excavated him. And um, that's what he remembers now is I sat down on the bed and I just got right in his face. And I said, look at me. And he was all disoriented and, you know, he had no idea where he was. And I said, do you know who I am? He was just out of it. And I was like, Sean, look at me. And he looked at me and I said, do you know who I am? And he whispered, Amanda. And I said, to me. And um, after that, they care flighted us to Dallas the next day, and they never could find out what happened. I mean, we ran every single test in the world. Didn't you know, have a heart attack. I had no no blockage. Everybody thought it was a heart attack, and it wasn't. And um, we ended up getting connected to like the, the most prestigious hospital, private hospital, private doctor. It was amazing. And um, he was a young doctor, and Sean's whole organs, everything had started to shut down for a while. And, so they ended up having to do a defibrillator on him, and he did not like that. He fought that. While I was there in the hospital, um, you know, just going through my mind of thinking, why did this happen? How did this happen? Why did this happen? And, you know, I, I, I'd had a few days into the hospital, because I was in the hospital a little over a week. I started having some really dark days and some days that I, I had questioned. And randomly, out of nowhere, I learned the lesson of how you say, you know, God can talk to you or to people and through people. Well, he had already spoken to me. And then he turned around and showed me how he could speak through someone to me. And randomly, one of the guys I worked with sent me a scripture that put me back where I needed to be. And, you know, a scripture everybody's heard their whole life, but Really, sometimes scripture doesn't give you a full meaning until, until it does. And he sent me Joshua one night. And that has resonated with me so much since then to the point that I even had it tattooed on my body as a remembrance of that day and how once again within one week, God spoke directly to me. And, and even with that, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie and say I still didn't have further dark days and I think that the devil had realized that how I'd had that closeness with God and that where my relationship was starting to head because I hadn't been the best person I hadn't been the Christian that I should be and this was definitely knowing that God loved me that much put me on the path to show him how much I love him but uh, I'm not gonna say the devil didn't fight me and I had dark days of, the first question I had is, why did I see darkness? And I would set days and just feel lost. And, and, and you know, it, it took one Sunday at church and I know the sermon was, was, was meant for me because the, where the church we were going to at the time, the pastor was, was referring to Jesus as teacher. And it hit me like a ton of lead. I was like, that's it, that's it. When you're a kid and you're in school and you're being loud and you're being rambunctious and you're not paying attention to what's going on around you, what does the teacher do to make you be quiet and listen? She turns the lights off. Mm. And that's all God did. He turned the lights out said, listen to me. Mm. I've got something important you need to hear. And that that's the way I, I looked at the darkness from there is it's just God getting my attention saying, son, you need to listen to me because mm. I've got something to tell you. Mm. 
and it's it, it I haven't had that darkness feeling since then yeah. it was definitely just an amazing scary experience to go through it and and just to see how God just aligned it I mean a week before he was working out our land all by himself if he had been out there he, he wouldn't have made it and it was just like and after that I was terrified and um, I remember God because I mean I if I couldn't get a hold of him, I was terrified and I would sleep right on him and just listen to his heart. And I remember God saying one day, he was like, I'm everywhere and you are not. And that was like, you know, every time I, I, that fear would grip me, he would just remind me that he is everywhere and I'm not. I didn't save him and God did and God aligned it. And, and we weren't, you know, plugged in like we needed to be. We weren't these perfect people. They were going through life and, and doing what we should. And he still showed up without even asking. He was there. And it was just like, wow, wow, you know? And so sometimes we have to go back and remind ourselves, you know, if he can pull us through that, he can pull us through anything, no matter yeah. what. Amen and that. that was the beginning of our marriage. Yeah. And it was the beginning of our foundation in our relationship. And um, it totally made us grow through and um, took us back, took us down to nothing. And so, and we just started building. And definitely building equips God. you, something like that definitely equips you to have a naked marriage. Oh yeah, you, we do. We are totally transparent because he did go through some really dark days. And, um, and that's a whole nother story in that one and how God showed up there too. Um, thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you. We love you all. Come on, isn't that good? <laughs> oh, what a story, man. I hope that I hope that through this series that there have been some of you that maybe you felt like hope was lost and your hope is being restored. Your belief is being restored and your faith is being restored as we hear other people's stories and how God has been faithful and how God came through and uh I really believe as we were going into this series, I had this thought in my mind that there were going to be some people that thought, man, if, if God can do it for them, then he can do it for me. If God can do it for them, then he can do it for me. And so uh, I, I want to share with you, uh, just kind of piggybacking off of that story, uh, a couple of different places in the Bible. And I just have two points for you today that I want to that I want to share with you, but I think they're going to help you. Um, and it's not anything that you probably haven't heard before. Uh, but there were a couple of things in these stories that stuck out to me that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you. And so we're going to start today in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 and verse 1. And we're going to read this entire story so you can follow along if you've got your Bible or it'll be on the screen behind me. This is what it says. This is a story of, we, most of us are familiar with the story of Lazarus. And uh, this is how the story goes. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. I love how John gives us some, uh, he tells us what's going to happen in the next chapter. 
before it ever even gets there. It's almost like he couldn't wait to, to write it. You know, he's like, I know what I'm going to write next. I know what's coming down the line. It's like, this is the same Mary who's going to do this in the next chapter of the Bible. And this is her in this situation here. He says, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Um, some translations that I even like better than this one say that because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two more days, which seems kind of backward, right? If you, if, if you really love them, then you would show up, you would just go right now. But how many of you know that God has a plan and that he can see it all and we can't? And so because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two more days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But, this, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I mean, sometimes God just has to tell you plainly. <laughs> it's like you're not getting it. All right, Lazarus is dead. Let me just put it in, in simple terms. And for your sakes, look at this, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Come on, don't you just love the faith of Thomas? <laughs> like, Jesus, we tried to warn you, you know, but if you just so set on going back, we'll just go back and we'll just die with you, you know, we're probably going to kill us all. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do, this, do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see, and then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, the man healed, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry, so as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a, was a, with a stone rolled across its entrance. 
Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that you will believe, they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Here's point number one today if you're taking notes. And my points are very simple, but we're going to talk about them for just a moment. Point number one is to give God praise. Give God praise. Um, Sometimes God does things in what seems like strange ways to us for the benefit of other people. Have you ever had an experience, can you think back on a time in your life when you walked through something or something happened, something transpired, you went through a difficulty, and on the other side of it, you look back and you saw what God was able to do through what you went through in other people's lives. And so you stop and think for a moment, wow, I didn't understand that, and sometimes God does things in what seemed to us to be strange ways. But we can't see the whole picture and what he's doing even in other people's lives around us um there's jesus says something in this story that stuck out to me and i want to read it again and then we'll talk about it for just a moment but it's in verses 41 and 42 toward the end of the story jesus has met mary he's met martha he is gone to the tomb where lazarus is at and he's standing there and it says they so they rolled the stone aside he tells them to roll the stone aside then jesus looked up to heaven and said Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Jesus, I love what Jesus says. Because Jesus says, I don't have to say this out loud for my Father to hear me. In fact, you can read all throughout the Gospels where Jesus would get away by himself to pray. Nobody else was around. It might be early in the morning, middle of the night, all night long. Jesus is getting away to pray and talk to his father. And he says, I don't have to say this out loud for you to hear me because I know that you always hear me. But for the sake of everybody that is standing around here, I'm saying it out loud. So that they will believe that you sent me. So that when what is about to happen happens, they are all going to believe that it was you that did it. That it was you who sent me. I'm saying it out loud. I don't have to say it out loud for God to hear me. But I know that I need to say it out loud in this moment for the benefit of the people around me. And it got me thinking. What if we were people that declared our praise in the good and in the bad, listen, out loud? What could it do in somebody else's life if we were people that when it was good, we're praising God and people see it in our lives. They see it in the way, they hear it in the way that we talk. They see it in the way that we pray. They see it in the way that we're faithful. They see it in the way that we're serving God. I mean, when we're doing, we're just living it out loud, saying it out loud. And in the difficult times, what would it do if people saw 
if people heard, wow, they're like out loud, they are praising God in the midst of a difficulty. Jesus said, I don't have to say it out loud, but for the sake of everybody else around me, I'm going to say it out loud. What would it look like in your life if you were a person that declared God's praises out loud? Could it be that your spouse, that, that God may use that for your spouse to be encouraged? Could it be for the benefit of your kids that 15 years down the road your kids are going to be in a difficult situation and they're going to be declaring God's praises and that he's faithful because 15 years ago they heard mom and dad in the bedroom talking about how great God was and spending time praying out loud in the midst of what they knew was a difficult season? There is something, there is power whenever we declare God's praise out loud. Out loud. That's why we, when we come to church, we sing out loud. Out loud. There is something, I believe, that can happen in the lives of other people whenever they watch you or they hear you in the midst of a difficulty praising God with your life, with your actions, with your words, out loud. And Jesus said, I don't have to, I know that you hear me. I know that you hear me every single time. God knows every thought. But he said, for the benefit of those around me, I've said it out loud. I'm praying this out loud so that they will believe what if we were people who declared the goodness of God out loud in every situation I don't understand what I'm going through but I'm going to praise God through it I'm not sure what God is doing through this but I'm going to praise God in the hard and what if someone else in your life put their faith in Jesus because of how they watched you trust God in a hard situation what if on the other side of what you walk through your praise of God and your faithfulness to God and your declaring that God is still good even in the midst of this and people watching that and hearing you in your life. What if somebody came to faith in God? What if the person that you've been praying for for the last seven years finally put their faith in God because they watched how you walked through a difficult situation? Can I ask you a question? Would it be worth it? We can't see the whole picture. And in that moment, Jesus said, I... Because I love them, I'm going to stay here two days. Well, why are you staying here two days? Because God's going to get the glory. God's going to get the glory, and then people are going to believe that he sent me, and we're going to receive the glory for this situation, and so we've got to stay here two more days so that it can all be aligned, so that when we get there, God can do what God needs to do for the benefit of everybody else around. God has a plan. I love that in the midst of where it says that, you know, Jesus, there was, there was some anger and it even says that Jesus wept, you know, what we would say is the shortest verse in the Bible. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus saw this moment as an opportunity to bring glory to the Father. And I think that we have moments like that as well, where it's an opportunity for us to bring glory to the Father. We have opportunities to do the same, to declare our faith in him and declare our belief that he will get us through, declare that, that 
I'm going to praise him in the midst of the storm. Come on, anybody remember the, the, was it Casting Crowns song or whatever, Praise You in the Storm? I mean, that song got played so much on the radio, everybody could just sing it by heart. I mean, you didn't even have to have the words or the lyrics. You could just, you just be driving down the road and you could be your own band. I mean, they just played that song so many times. I'm praise you in the storm. But there is something powerful about praising God in the storm. And we said it a couple of weeks ago that, that where your faith goes in difficult times whether or not you trust God in difficult times really reveals whether or not you've trusted him at all. Because it's easy to say that you trust him in the good, but when things are difficult, when things are hard, how you trust God and how you react in those moments actually reveals where your trust has been all along. What if we were people who praised him in the storm? What could God do through people who continue to praise him out loud in the midst of difficulty. And after, after we, we filmed this and, and we were here, um, we stuck around for several minutes after and we were having conversation about you know, other stories and things that had happened um, that weren't even in the recording. But uh, one of those things, I remember Sean was telling me that, there was, uh, that, that he began to notice that other people's lives how what he had walked through, what he had been through, and how God had been faithful began to, began to impact other people's lives around him. And then you begin seeing life change and people, people asking questions and people seeking out God and people doing all of these things because of what had happened in his situation. And listen, I, we said it last week, I'm going to say it a million times, God didn't cause the bad thing to happen, but he can use it. And he loves whenever we allow him to use the difficulties so that he can get all the glory out of a difficult situation so that other people will look and say, wow, if he can do it for them, then he can do it for me. I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus. God can use it. God received glory from this situation. Not only did he perform a miracle, but he used it to reach others and to receive glory. And so I began asking myself some questions. Why should I praise God in difficult situations, right? If we're talking about giving God praise and God getting the glory, well, why should I do that? Because it's a difficult situation. So why are you telling me that I need to praise God in the midst of difficult situations? And here was the first thing that came to my mind that I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you. Because he's always on time. He's not always on your time. But he's always on time. Jesus stayed where he was two more days because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I've got to believe that he knew what would be built up in them if he stayed here two more days and all of this transpired and then God gets all the glory in this miracle. God can get the glory out of your situation if you're willing to praise him through it. And so we've got to praise God in every circumstance. And here's the second story and the second point that I want to touch on for just a few moments. It's in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. And this is a story of Saul being converted to Paul, if you will, if you're familiar with this in the Bible. Um, it says, it, it, well, I'll read it and then we'll talk about it. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He's, he's just seeking to kill all the Christians. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. 
As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Come on, how many of you would be speechless as well? If you're on the road with somebody, and you can hear somebody talking, but you don't see anybody talking. I mean, that was a, that was a pretty crazy moment. Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that, so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Here's point number two today if you're taking notes. Give God your attention. Give God your attention. Here's what I believe God had a plan for Saul's life. But listen, he had to get his attention in order to change his direction. God had a plan for Saul's life. Ultimately, we know what the plan was now in hindsight. He was no longer called Saul. He was named Paul. He goes on to plant all of these churches, to write letters to all of these churches, depending on who you talk to, to go on to write half or two-thirds of the New Testament in our Bible. But before any of that could happen, God had to get his attention so that he could change his direction. Have you ever been, I was thinking about this, have you ever been driving down uh, the wrong way on a street and had somebody get your attention? Right? Maybe it was your spouse <laughs> slapping you in the arm, you know, like, hey, you're going the wrong way. Uh, we were in, we were in uh, South Carolina a couple of months ago for a pastor's conference, and we had never been there so we're driving, and it's at night when we get there, and so it's dark outside, and we're at an intersection, and we're going to turn, and this is one of those intersections where it's almost like four or five lanes over here, and then a median, and then like another four or five lanes. I mean, if you're going to turn left, you've got to go way out and turn left, and so we, we the, the light turns green, and we go to turn left, and we're about halfway through, and I glance back this way and my wife does as well and we look and this person behind us has just turned right into oncoming traffic and how many of you know there were a lot of people in that moment that were getting that guy's attention <laughs> i mean there's flashing lights people are honking he pulls off we watch i mean it's almost dangerous for us because i'm slowed down in the intersection while we're turning thinking what is about to happen this is not good and he pulls over into the first business that he can get over into because he realized i was going the wrong direction they got his attention come on how many of you know that if it's dark and you're driving and you see headlights coming your way 
might, get, might, might be an attention getter. And so he pulls over because he got his attention. I remember when we first moved to Paris and we were not familiar with downtown and many of you have lived here your entire lives, okay? And I know they're doing this study right now where they're, they're looking at, you know, making all the roads downtown, you know, two-way again. And so, uh, but it's been one way ever since I've known it. And I remember the first time driving into Paris and driving into downtown, I'm like, I don't know how to get where I'm going. Because I've got to turn right and then turn left and then go like three blocks and then turn left and then come back up the street and then turn to where I need to be. I'm like, this is the most confusing thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's just because I wasn't familiar with it. And so if you turn down and, and, and you turn down the wrong way, you know, you're going down a one-way street, the opposite direction of the oncoming traffic, people will have a tendency to get your attention. And I feel like there is somebody here that God sent me here today, if for nothing else than to just tell you he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. Sometimes God has to get our attention so that he can change our direction. And you would ask the question, well, why does God need to get my attention? Because he loves you too much to let you keep going in the wrong direction. And because of his love for you, he will use people, he will use circumstances, he doesn't cause bad things to happen, but he will sure use things that happen in your life that maybe even situations you have put yourself in, he will use that to get your attention. And say, hey, you need to change your direction. And I love that because Sean was mentioning how whenever he felt like the Lord just revealed to him, this is what I was trying to do. I was trying to get your attention. Because I've got something to say. And you're just going on and you're just living your life and you're just doing your thing. And God says, I've got a plan for your life. Will you give me your attention? Will you give me your attention so that I can change the direction and get you on the path that I have for your life instead of you just doing your own thing. Sometimes God's will, God will use people or circumstances or other things to get our attention because he loves us too much to leave us where we are. I wonder if anybody here has ever experienced something difficult. That when you went into the situation, you were living your life one way. When you came out on the other side of the situation, God had your attention. And you've never been the same since. You walked in thinking that you had it all figured out. When you came out on the other side and saw God's goodness and faithfulness, you realized, I need him more than ever. And you allowed him to change your direction by getting your attention. I want to bring the worship team back. Has God ever used a situation in your life to get your attention? God didn't cause the sickness, but he got your attention through it. God didn't cause the layoff at work, but he got your attention through it. God didn't cause your marriage to go through difficulty, but he got your attention through it. God didn't cause you to do the things that you did, but he used it to get your attention so that he could turn your life around, so that he could turn you back to him. And that you began following him, and you've never been the same after Sometimes God will use situations, sometimes God will use people. And if you're like me, hopefully you are in this regard, that I'm thankful that God will sometimes get my attention. 
to keep me from going on the same direction that I've been going when he says, I've got a different direction. I've got a different direction. How many of you know that if you just start to veer off a little bit, a little bit over time turns into a lot? And I think there are moments in our lives where we start to, we start to veer off and God will get our attention. And we start to veer off and God will get our attention. Or maybe you've lived your life, you know, maybe even to this point right now, maybe somebody just brought you to church and you're just here because somebody asked you if you wanted to come to church. And you've been living your life and you're, I mean, you've just been doing your own thing and you haven't been considering what God's plan is for your life at all. And today you just thought, listen, you just thought you were coming to church. And God said, oh no, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention because I love you. Because I have a plan for your life. Because there's something better than the direction that you're going. And I've got to get your attention so that I can change your direction. I want to encourage you today to choose to give God your attention. What if we were people that just chose to give God our attention? Every day when we wake up, I choose to give you my attention. I don't want to go my own way. I want to follow you today. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? I want to end in this way. We've been seeing this common theme. I pointed it out every single week that we've been in this series. But we've been seeing this common theme throughout the series of how God has used people. Isn't it awesome? How God will use people. God wants to use you to minister to somebody else. God wants to use you to meet somebody else's need. God wants to speak to you. And I, I love in that story of, of Saul and Ananias because not only did God get Saul's attention, but at the same time he was getting Saul's attention, he was getting Ananias' attention in a vision so that he would send him to go over here and pray for Saul so that Saul could be able to see again and everything would fall into place the way God had intended it for it to fall into place so that Saul would then become Paul and go on to do all the things that he did God was getting two people's attention at the same time he was using he used Ananias to fulfill something that he wanted to do in Saul's life and God will use people in your life come on in week one we were talking about Gwen's story and now he's in the hospital bed and he's got to learn to walk again and there was a nurse that he said man God sent that nurse I know he did he sent that nurse into my room so that she would go in there and encourage me and challenge me and make me get out of that bed and you're going to walk again you're going to learn to walk again. And God used a person last week in Ryan and Autumn's story. All the people that God used and that God sent to provide food and to minister. And the people that they were even able to minister to as they showed up. And they didn't even know, hey, I'm coming to minister to you. But I'm going to receive ministry as well because of God's faithfulness. And God was using people. And then in this story, it's mentioned that somebody that Sean works with just randomly sends him a text that's a scripture in the exact moment at the exact time how many of you know that wasn't random <laughs> there are things that seem random to me that God says that wasn't random that's how much I love you that wasn't that wasn't a random moment that happened because I see you right where you are and I spoke to that person's heart and they thought I don't know why I just feel like I'm supposed to have you ever, you ever been there? You ever been having a day and you're feeling hopeless, feeling down, feeling depressed, whatever it is? Something tragic happens and then ping, phone goes off. I don't know why I'm supposed to send this to you, but I just felt like I was supposed to encourage you with this, not to give up. 
keep going. Don't throw in the towel. Remember how God did this before. God will send people. And I love that this has been a thread throughout all of these stories about how God has used people. Because it just, I've said it every single week, it just proves that God sees where you are at. He has not forgotten about you. He has not left you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are. And He can send somebody just at the right time. I want to encourage you with these two things. And then we're going to pray. Keep praising Him in the storm. I'm telling you, there is some, there is somebody, maybe more than one person in here today, and you're walking in it right now. And you thought, we're just going to church today, and God had you here so that He could tell you that you just need to keep praising Him in the storm. Keep praising Him in the storm. Keep turning your attention to Him and His voice. Well, I don't know that I can even hear God. What do you mean? Like, how can I hear God? Come on. When you're in the grocery store line and you feel led to do something for somebody else, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that moment. Listen to me. You can hear the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just have to quiet ourselves. And sometimes God will get our attention. Let's say, I got something to tell you. Will you just listen? Will you listen for a minute? I want to use you to do something for somebody else. Keep praising Him in the storm. Keep giving Him your attention every single day. If God can do it for them, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can do it for you. So Lord, today we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this story, this opportunity to just glean from somebody else's experience to find hope again and to find faith again and to believe again and to pray again. and God, I believe that you're restoring that in people's lives right now. That you're restoring it in their hearts right now. That you are doing what only you can do right now in this room, all across this room as we stand in your presence. For some of you here today, you know that God has been trying to get your attention and today is confirmation that he's been trying to get your attention. So we're going to sing this final song. And as we always do, you have an opportunity to receive prayer for anything in your life. Anything that you're walking through, anything that you're going through, anything that you need somebody to just stand in agreement or, or encourage you, pray with you over, you have an opportunity to receive prayer. But especially those today that you know that this is confirmation that God has been trying to get your attention. So Lord, today as we sing this song, I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you would draw every single person today who needs prayer for anything in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.